entire Bible contains detailed prophecies about the end times, and there's just no way to fully understand what's happening in our world today unless you are familiar with these scriptural predictions. In fact, the Hamas war was triggered in part because of Bible prophecies associated with the Temple Mount concerning a holy cow to be sacrificed. To prepare the way for future temple worship, the Hebrew Bible calls for the sacrifice of a red heifer, and reportedly the sacrifice will happen soon because temple activists are highly motivated. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Shalom, I'm Christine Dark. Three characteristics of our day were prophesied in detail in the Bible. Number one, the escalating crisis in the Middle East. Secondly, the intensifying decay of society worldwide. And number three, the growing apostasy in the church. The Bible predicts that society will become as violent and immoral as it was in the days of Noah. The church will be assaulted with doctrines of demons, as prophesied by the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 4.1. And all nations will come against Israel over the issue of control of God's city, Jerusalem. Many years ago, in an epic dream, God called me to stand with the Jewish people when all the nations turn against Israel. And it's happening now. God also sovereignly enlarged my heart to pray for Israel's half-brothers in the surrounding Arab nations. You'll find in the prophet Isaiah that Israel will be a most favored, saved nation during the millennium, along with Egypt and Assyria. Arabia will be saved. That's why in this ministry we believe for the salvation of the Arabs as well as the Israelis. The wise men, the magi, in the Lord's birth narrative in Matthew chapter 2, remind us of 1 Kings chapter 10. When the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of King Solomon, she came to Jerusalem to test him with hard questions. Arriving with a great caravan of camels, she presented Solomon with gifts of gold, spices, and precious stones. The early church father, Tertullian, argued that the visit of the Magi to Bethlehem fulfills Solomon's prayer in Psalm 72, that kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. All kings and all nations shall fall down before him and serve him. The church father, Tertullian, also believed Isaiah 60, verses 3 to 7, to be the most compelling evidence of the salvation of Arabia. That beautifully poetic passage says, Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn, and the wealth of the nations will come to you. Caravans of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and frankincense, and proclaiming the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar, Arabia, will be gathered to you. 
So in the meantime, the Arabs must be set free from their animosity and sibling rivalry against the Jews, their blood brothers. Reports abound on the internet stating that the latest Hamas atrocities against Israel were triggered at this time because of heightened fears that the Jews will rebuild their temple on the coveted Temple Mount. And this spring, religious Israelis reportedly planned to sacrifice a red heifer on the Mount of Olives. And then the ashes of a holy cow will be used to purify and sanctify the sacrificial worship system. All of these requirements are as outlined in the Torah in Numbers chapter 19. It so happens, and many of you may recall, that in September 2022, five red unblemished heifers from a Christian rancher in Texas were airlifted to Israel. These Christians believe a third Jewish temple will herald the return of Jesus to earth. Today, most of the requirements to build a third temple are complete. In 1948, the Jewish nation was prophetically reborn, and in 1967, Jerusalem once again became a Jewish city. Subsequently, the organization, the Temple Institute, has trained over 500 young Jewish men who are directly descended from the tribe of Levi as temple priests. Their priestly garments and sacred vessels are ready. The Temple Institute has, in fact, created a temple in waiting with operational blueprints. However, plans cannot move forward without the ceremonial ashes of the red heifer. In Numbers 19.2, God commanded the sacrifice of a red heifer without defect or blemish, and the heifer must never have worn a yoke. Qualifications for the sacrifice are extremely precise. The heifer must be 100% free from any internal or external blemish, such as a white hair. It must never have worked a day in its life, and it must be at least three or four years old. A perfect specimen is so elusive that the Mishnah says a ceremonial burning has only happened nine times in Jewish history. The sage Mahmonides believed that the tenth animal would only be found and sacrificed when Messiah is ready to appear. Unfortunately, the Messiah the Jewish people are looking for will turn out to be the Antichrist. But at his second coming, the Lord Jesus, Yeshua, will destroy the false Messiah. God has been preparing many prayer warriors for this hour. In fact, he's been preparing some of us for decades. According to Revelation 5, 8, our prayers are being collected in heaven's golden bowls, which are full of incense, the prayers of God's people. Furthermore, Revelation 8, 5 records, and the angel took the incense burner and filled it with fire from the altar and cast it to the earth. And there were voices, thunders, lightnings, and an earthquake. It follows that our prayers will be poured out upon the earth as voices, thunders, lightnings, and earthquakes. Spiritual, that is. Quite possibly, the voices mentioned in Revelation 8.5 represent the outpouring of the spirit of revelation 
through the many Jesus visions that are happening in the Muslim world and soon to happen in the Jewish world. God promised he would restore the Jewish people through their own land, and he has achieved this goal against all odds. And the return of the Jews is ongoing. With the increase in anti-Zionism worldwide, more and more Jewish people from lands such as France and the United States are headed home. They're making Aliyah. Also in our lifetime, the Lord has been dealing with the nations of Psalm 83 that surround Israel and that have furiously fought Israel's existence. Psalm 83 verse 4 is their defiant position. Come, let us destroy them as a nation, that the name of Israel will be remembered no more. These hostile neighbors are not satisfied just to destroy Israel. They also want to wipe out the memory of Israel's name. Achieving that wicked goal would nullify the Abrahamic covenant, but of course, God will never allow that to happen. In the Bible, God pledged that a chosen people will come through Abraham and through his son Isaac and through Isaac's son Jacob, and that God would give their descendants the promised land. At this present time, Relations with the main Psalm 83 enemies have been normalized. Israel has a peace treaty with both Egypt and Jordan, but the hegemons of Psalm 83 also require conquering Hamas in the Gaza Strip and defeating Hezbollah in the north. In this regard, Psalm 83 is similar to Psalm 2, which asks, why do the nations so furiously rage together. And why do the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth stand up and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. They say, let us break their bonds asunder and cast away their cords. But he that sits in the heavens laughs them to scorn. The Lord shall have them in derision. Our ministry has been believing God for decades to bring Israel's enemies into a right relationship with the God of Israel so that billions of souls held captive behind Jericho-like walls of religion can be set free to embrace the Savior. This involves ongoing spiritual warfare. Our ministry team accomplished a Jericho march at Gadara in Jordan, and the region was surely symbolic because this was where Jesus had cast out a legion of demons from a demoniac. As we completed the 13 rounds of the Jericho march, the people in the area seemed agitated. But suddenly, at the sound of our shofars and victory shouts, they ran to us, hugging and kissing us. It was just an extraordinary picture of how spiritual warfare reverses a situation. A similar situation occurred the previous year during our week-long Jericho march within the ancient town of Jericho. That Jericho march was a spiritual exercise to believe God to bring down the walls of religion, holding billions of souls captive. Our marching orders were to encircle the area for seven days, as in the original Jericho march in the Bible. And on the seventh day, agitated Arabs who had been threatening to stone us suddenly dropped their stones and ran into our circle as we blew shofars, silver trumpets, and shouted a victory shout. 
They literally praised God, rejoicing loudly and throwing their arms into the air. Their transformation showed us the power of spiritual warfare prayer on behalf of souls. Recently, I spoke to you about the sibling rivalry between the brothers from another mother, Ishmael and Isaac. In the next generation, Isaac's twin sons, Esau and Jacob, fell out with one another. Esau resented Jacob for stealing the family birthright, and Jacob had to flee to save his life. Jacob sought refuge with the Aramean tribe of his ancestors at Haran in Mesopotamia. Twenty years later, as Jacob was returning to his homeland, he learned that his brother Esau was approaching with an army of 400 men. So that night, Jacob prayed desperately, reminding God that he was returning at the Lord's command. He prayed, O God of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, save me from the hand of my brother Esau. You have promised to make my descendants like the sand of the sea, which can't be counted. In Genesis 32, Jacob wrestled with an angel till daybreak. Wrestling is an idiom in the Bible for intense spiritual warfare. The Apostle Paul, he said in Ephesians 6.12, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Jacob was determined to be blessed, even if his bones were put out of joint. He's a picture of prevailing prayer. He said to the angel, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And Jacob won the ultimate heavyweight title as the Lord confirmed on him the new name Israel, Prince with God. The name Jacob means supplanter in Hebrew, but from now on he would have a new destiny as Israel a prince who prevailed with God and men. It was a name greater than all the great men of the earth up to that time. Jacob called the place of his wrestling match Peniel, meaning face of God, because he wrestled face to face with the Lord. And what a struggle. In the near future, during the time of Jacob's trouble, the Jewish people will wrestle again with God and be saved they will meet face-to-face with Yeshua, their Messiah. What a glorious day that will be. Amen. Well, as you know by now, my favorite book outside the Bible is Reese Howell's Intercessor. And Reese Howell's had far-reaching faith to envision the Isaiah chapter 19 highway of peace that will exist during the millennial reign of King Messiah. As an intercessor, Reese Howes knew that the Bible lands must be protected from the Nazis. He had a good understanding of Bible prophecy concerning Israel, but God also set him aside for a number of days to study the Lord's word concerning the Arabs also. As I pointed out previously, from Genesis 17:18, Abraham had prayed, Oh, that Ishmael might live under your special blessing. The father heart of Abraham didn't want his firstborn son Ishmael to be disinherited, but God, who means what he says, declared Isaac to be the son of promise. And nevertheless, concerning Ishmael, God said, I have blessed him. But I hope you will agree with me that Ishmael will never be truly blessed until he's saved. 
And Reese Howells discovered from the Word of God what I've also discovered from the Word of God, that the Arabs will give shelter to the Jews during the time the Bible calls Jacob's trouble in the future. And the Arabs will be the first to come to Jerusalem to pay homage to King Messiah. That's according to Isaiah 60, verse 7. Reese Howells added, certainly the Arabs are also the people of God if they are to shield the Jews and if they live in countries which are to escape out of the hand of the beast. He was referring to the Antichrist. So I was heartened that an intercessor during World War II had foreseen that Israel would become a nation again and that Israel would require refuge from the Antichrist during Jacob's trouble. Because of the severity of the Holocaust, a lot of believers have the opinion that Jacob's trouble is in the past. But the atrocities of October the 7th, 2023, have proven that Jacob's trouble is not over. As we see in this headline from Israel Today magazine, on the morning of October 7th, the commander of one of the IDF's top fighting forces, a counterterrorism unit, was taken aback by what awaited them upon entering the hellscape of Gaza on that Black Sabbath. The commander and his men fought heavily armed Hamas terrorists. And he quoted notably Jeremiah 37, saying that this is the time of Jacob's trouble. But the commander also noted that the word of God promises Jacob will be saved out of it. That reference to Jacob's trouble is Jeremiah 37, and it corresponds to predictions given by Jesus in Matthew 24. For example, Jesus called the end-time trials that would take place amongst the Jewish people the beginning of the birth pains. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 3, and 4, the Apostle Paul also describes this period. For when they say, peace and safety... Then sudden destruction will come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. The time of Jacob's trouble, Jacob's distress, refers to the difficulties the Jewish people will face during the seven-year period called the tribulation in the New Testament. The phrase, the time of Jacob's trouble, as I said, is found in Jeremiah 37, stating, Alas, how awful that day will be. None will be like it. It will be a time of trouble for Jacob, but he will be saved out of it. The time of Jacob's trouble is typically understood by many interpreters, especially in certain branches of Christian eschatology, to refer to a period of intense tribulation that Israel will experience in the future, Jeremiah said this will be an unequal time of trouble for Israel's descendants. Centuries later, Jesus described this identical time, Jacob's trouble, and in fact, he called it the Great Tribulation. This prophecy of unprecedented difficulty for Jacob's descendants in the future will be fulfilled just before the second coming of Jesus. In Matthew 24, the Lord described how it will begin and what will follow. In fact, speaking in advance, warning the Jewish people who will be living in Judea at that time, Jesus said that they should be alert 
to the event that will begin the Great Tribulation, and that will be the setting up of an abomination in the holy place, as foretold in Daniel 9.27. Israel will by then have reinstated the sacrificial system. The red heifer will have been sacrificed, and Antichrist will stop the sacrifices to set himself up to be worshipped. Jesus warned that his fellow Jews should be alert to this detestable abomination that will take place in the holy place. The Antichrist will break a peace covenant to demand worship. He will force all people to receive a mark to buy or sell goods. In addition, much war and famine will occur, with a remnant fleeing Jerusalem to the mountains. While in the book, Reese Howe's Intercessor, I was glad to learn that he had also discovered verses that I've discovered over the years, verses such as Daniel 11.41. What a confirmation from that man of God. Daniel 11.41 prophesies that the Antichrist will invade the Holy Land, but the territories of Edom, Moab, and Ammon will be delivered from his hand. Ammon refers to Jordan's capital, and a place of refuge for Israelis is located in Edom in Moab. I've written a book about the future time of Jacob's trouble called Appointment in Petra, and it's available on Amazon. The Abraham Accords were signed in September 2020. According to Daniel 9.27, the future Antichrist will confirm some sort of a covenant with many. At this point in time, we have no way of telling whether or not the Abraham Accords will be the covenant that Antichrist will confirm. But this we do know. The man of sin, the Antichrist, will be a truce breaker. We also know only the return of Jesus will bring genuine and lasting peace. So now, do you see how important it is to understand Bible prophecy? According to an article by Dr. David Reagan, Bible prophecy constitutes almost one-third of the Bible, but its importance is constantly downgraded or ignored. Such cavalier dismissals of Bible prophecy defy scriptures, such as Revelation 19.10, which states that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You see, when Bible prophecy is properly taught, it emphasizes the centrality of Jesus. New Testament writers testify to the fact that anticipating the Lord's return helps to motivate holy behavior. In fact, the Apostle John wrote in 1 John 3, 3, All believers who have this confidence in Christ keep themselves pure. Well, there are many reasons why all believers should be interested in studying Bible prophecy. First of all, because of its sheer quantity, since nearly one-third of the Bible is prophetic in nature, to ignore Bible prophecy is to ignore a significant portion of God's Word. And we're told in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And that certainly includes Bible prophecy. In fact, the Bible contains hundreds of specific prophecies that have already been fulfilled. Prophecies about towns, cities, nations, empires, and political leaders, as well as prophecies about Messiah. And this truly makes the Bible a unique book. The Bible contains more than 300 prophecies 
about the first coming of Jesus. Every aspect of his life was prophesied. The place of his birth, the nature of his birth, the scope of his ministry, the purpose of his life, the agony of his sacrificial death, and his resurrection. Rather than being antiquated, as many people believe, the Bible is a book about the future. Fulfilled prophecy is one of the best evidences that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. And Bible prophecy assures us that Jesus is coming back and that he will take us to live forever with him and God the Father. In this regard, the Apostle Peter likened Bible prophecy to a lamp shining in a dark place. If a person or congregation can truly be convinced that Jesus is returning any moment, they will be transformed because they will be motivated to share the gospel with others and to commit their lives to holiness. Well, as we conclude today, I want to remind you that not everyone who dies goes to a better place. That's the casual phrase that we often hear at funerals. Only those who have a saving knowledge of the Lord go to a better place. The Bible teaches that it's impossible to earn merit with God because salvation is God's free, unmerited gift. Ephesians 2.8 declares, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. So let's cry to God for mercy for our family and friends, that their eyes will be open to their absolute need of the Savior, Jesus, because there are many religions in this world, but only one Savior. Jesus came up from the grave because he did not owe the wages of sin. He was a sinless Savior. So whatever you do, do not die without Jesus. So what must you do to be saved? The Word of God teaches very simply in Acts 16.31, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. The earliest statement of faith in the New Testament consists of just three words. Jesus is Lord. Amen. I hope that's your confession of faith. Jesus is Lord. In the meantime, we invite you to continue to find more in-depth research at our website, exploits.tv, and also at our Jerusalem Channel YouTube site. You'll find a library of videos 24-7. We also invite you to sign up for our weekly email alert called Exploits, based on Daniel 11.32, declaring that people who know their God will be strong, not weak, and will accomplish exploits, meaning will do the works of the Lord in the remaining time before His imminent return. Feel free to share your thoughts with me on social media, and don't forget to check out our free Jerusalem Channel mobile app. For more insight into the fascinating world of Bible prophecy, you'll find a whole archive of articles at my Substack pages. Until next time, I'll leave you with 1 Thessalonians 5. But at the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write to you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then comes sudden destruction upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light and the children of the day. 
we are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as some do, but let's be sober and watch. Amen. Until next time, I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm Christine Dark. Shalom and Maranatha. I'm here at the western entrance of Jerusalem, Jaffa Gate. It's a blustery day, it's winter. Nevertheless, usually people are here, tourists are coming, but this is almost a ghost town because of the war, because of the situation. The economy is hurting and people are wounded. People are concerned about the future. They need hope. They need mercy ministered to them. Isaiah 40 says comfort comfort my people. Tell them that their warfare is ended, that they have paid double for their sins, and that Messiah is coming. We have a message of hope in the Jerusalem Channel. We have a message that the world is not receiving through the mainstream media. And so we encourage you to keep up with Jerusalem Channel, with everything that we're reporting in these last days, because we will give you the biblical view of end time prophecy.